What is up? And welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I'm Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lawhorn. This week on the pod, we are paying homage to one of our favorite A24 films, a true horror staple from Maestro Ari Aster, Midsommar. My cool shirt. Look Midsommar. at that shirt. Oh. That's a glorious shirt. <laughs> Big spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie. We're, we're yeah, one minute yeah, in. Yeah. We spoiled it for <laughs> you. spoiled it. <laughs> a couple travels to Northern Europe to visit a rural hometown's fabled Swedish Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Uh, spoilers are ahead, obviously, for Midsommar. This movie came out uh, four years ago, so if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sorry, but you should probably watch it. Uh, a lot of you are probably asking, hey, you already covered Midsommar um, back in your sixth episode a Whoa. year and a half ago. Can Whoa. you believe that, Ben? Um, and we're here to say, yeah, we did, but Midsommar fucking rocks. And yeah. also, we have a very exciting interview, conversation with the composer of Midsommar and Bo is Afraid and Beef mm-hmm. after our conversation right now so stick around stay tuned for that with bobby krillick uh aka the uh haxon cloak is what he goes by nice. which by the way ben did you know that the haxon cloak stands for or is like some type of swedish lingo for the witch i couldn't believe that when i learned really oh, oh yeah dang. check the wiki dude check the wiki. i like it i like it that's good <laughs> wild stuff um ben you unfortunately missed out on the interview the conversation with bobby acrylic and i'm really sorry man because it was a really fun conversation and obviously i hope people stick around and listen to it um he talks about midsommar a lot and his influences for the score and you know how a daylight horror movie kind of changes things when it comes to that um and i i gave you a shout out i just wanted to let you know i was like i ben appreciate got it. that you couldn't be here you know i appreciate that yeah i was bummed to have missed that but i'm excited to listen to it it's gonna be good yeah, absolutely. Um, can you give us the the really quick down low on Tokyo? How was it on Japan? Because you were gone, and you know a lot of people cried, uh, including myself. And uh, but you're back, so I'm glad. I'm back. I'm on American soil. Japan was cool. <laughs> we did a cruise around the country. Um, we actually did one stop in South Korea in Busan, which is where I got to see Guardians of the Galaxy three in legit Sick. IMAX. Fuck I haven't seen yeah. a legit IMAX movie in a while, so that was awesome. Um, nothing like crying in a foreign country, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it was just, it was an awesome trip. It was cool to see a bunch of stuff. Um, obviously I missed a couple episodes here. I'm glad Alden came on. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to hear this interview. So Japan was cool, but I'm glad to be back and talking about, you know, spoiler alert, one of my favorite movies ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Glad to have you back. Okay. Let's talk about Midsommar. We're going to kind of do a, a shortened, a truncated episode here uh we're gonna go about it a little bit differently we're not gonna go do tons of true cinema we're not gonna do tons of one a one acts we're just kind of gonna kind of talk about midsommar um as a whole i re-watched it for the first time since our very first episode so this okay. is only the second time i've seen this movie i immediately texted you i well i mean i texted you when i started it and i was like holy shit i'm 15 minutes in or 12 minutes in and this movie is unbelievably good yeah um and then i finished it and i texted you and i was like i'm pretty sure that's a perfect movie i'm yeah. pretty positive that's that's as good as it gets for horror like i, I was stunned yeah i mean that's that's how i feel about the movie i, I love this like rewatching it again 
it was just, it, it's, I've talked about it on here and it's kind of weird, but it is like a, a strange comfort movie for me. <laughs> like I really do. You're sick. You're, what are you? Are you a this. fucking sicko? Are you a sicko? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did no, it. Logan, we did Three it. In a row. We did it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really love this movie. I love what Ari Aster did. Um, I do think also that's why like it definitely influenced my feelings on Bo because I was just like, give me yeah. my next favorite movie ever, you know, which was like a wrong way to go into it pretty high sure. bar to be honest it's a, it's a high bar and <laughs> not many people are ever gonna achieve that so um yeah it was it was a really good rewatch i also you know if you text me it was like oh yeah it just really dialed in on the first 20 minutes like it is pretty intense like it is it's so good this is like the most gaslighty boyfriend i think we've ever seen oh on my god film. the worst like he's Christi- awful christian <laughs> yeah christian um <laughs> uh, but so many great lines in this movie i love like do you feel held danny like um oh. there's just so so much good stuff in here but you yeah you were spot on it's like oh this first 20 minutes is like it's a great way to set up a movie yeah i mean let's let's talk about the score very briefly um you'll hear more in our conversation with with bobby Krillick, but um basically he mentioned you know he used a lot of old disney animated films as like a kind of a template for um what midsommar was and going back and watching this movie with a more keen ear to the score it is majestic it is enlightening it has a levity to it it is a floating score um that is quite frankly like ethereal and otherworldly like it is so so good um and i guess i just like never i didn't catch on to that the first time right like i've i've watched so many movies in a year and a half since i've seen midsommar and like view movies so differently now um having this type of a score it's so unsettling but it's also so romantic for like what is going on and so it it really kind of crosses this ground of like wow i'm i I want to be here. This is, this is angelic. Like this feels good. It feels bright. It feels lofty. Um, but then like, you know, they're like putting pubes and blood into juice. So like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, that's one of the things I love the most by this movie is the score and just like the shift on the traditional horror of like doing it during the day, love you know, it. like in both those things together, I think is what just like makes this work so well for me. Um, you know, the score is something I've come to appreciate the more I watch movies, you know, like going to school yeah. for film and just like learning about it. Like, it's crazy. Like they just like, it has to come from, it comes from nowhere. You know, there's kind of like seeing what's Absurd. happening. It's like, you know, I was blown away when we talked to uh, disaster piece about like doing Marcel yeah. and stuff. And it's like, how'd you come up with this? Like, I don't know. Just and like, bodies, 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 right? Yeah. Like didn't he, he had two very distinct projects like back to back. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's one of the things that just impresses me the most is how these people are able to find this tone um, for a movie or, you know, for a piece. Like I used to work with a dude, uh, his name's Mike Bishop. I know he's done scores for movies and stuff. And I used to watch him work. It's just like, it blows my mind. Like I, I do editing and stuff. So I, I get all that, but to just come up with something. It's like, it's crazy. And the score on this again, like knowing what you guys talked about and really paying attention to that on this rewatch, like this is amazing. This movie doesn't work half as well without this score being exactly what it is. Like he, he did a, Ari Aster deserves so much credit for all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but also in hiring the right person to make this score, that's a huge part of it. And you know what Bobby Krillick did, like it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, the camera work, I really, really honed in oh, this time. Dude. 
it is scrumptious, dude. It yeah. is just mouth watering how fluid and finessed each camera movement is. We get so many incredible, really unique, really interesting, fun like edits, like Danny going, like Danny walking into the bathroom, and we yes. get this great overhead shot, and then it comes down when the door closes, and she's in the the airplane bathroom. Yeah, and like moments like that, and and especially like I wrote down, um, you know the the car kind yes, of we get that yes. big long sweeping car shot where we go overhead and we flip and we get this really inverted sense of like, okay, we're entering an inverted reality, right? A very um, visual storytelling mechanic, but also exceptionally fun to watch. It is so, and I guess part of the reason I was like, I'm so enamored by this is the movie's like two hours and 24 minutes. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's long. It is not a short movie. And when I went to go fire it up, I was like, fuck, like a two and a half hour movie. I, I guess I didn't know what I was signing up for. And the camera work makes it so enjoyable to watch. It's so mesmerizing. It really is. Like the the car one is probably my favorite shot of the whole movie, just because I love how long we stick with it and just like slowly turn under, just watch it going through. I love that shot. Um, I also really the one that stuck out to me this time is we'll, we hear Will Poulter, like we, we see them on screen, I think like sitting at the table and stuff like that. It's like this nice wide shot. And then we hear Will Poulter say like, those girls are walking weird. And then like the camera just suddenly like pans down and it's yeah. the girls like walking backwards, and, like picking the flowers. I'm like, that's so cool. Cause like Genius. you could have just cut to that, but instead it's like, we're going to show the whole motion of the camera dropping down and showing you like the girls walking like this. So I loved that. Um, there's, I, I forget almost every time, like this is, it's a, there's definitely plenty of gore and graphic stuff in it. Yeah. But the thing I always forget about is the initial like kind of sacrifices of the old people jumping. They're actually not like gnarly shots, like of them doing the jump. You know what I mean? It's like, they're pretty wide shots. The guy jumps and we stay back. Like we're like hundreds of feet back and just watch him fall. And it's like, Oh, this is like a one shot of just this dude jumping. It's not that intense. Then obviously we cut to him like <laughs> moaning on the ground with an eye bulged out and his leg just completely fucked, you know, oh my or, God. or the shots of like both their faces as they're being like put over the fire. Like to death, we see yeah. plenty of super gnarly shit. Like the dude flayed out in the room. Like we see plenty of it, oh. but I just think it's, it was so interesting to me again, just to be like, man, what a choice to be like, I'm going to show you something really intense, but I'm going to show it to you from like 500 feet away, you know, and then we'll cut yeah. to it. So yeah, the camera work is what? great. Which I think is is part of the genius because that very scene that you mention that does not happen for at, like about an hour, about yeah. fifty or fifty five minutes until we are in the movie. We get to that moment, and that's the first big shock factor that we're seeing happen to our group of you know Danny and Christian and everybody, um, and ourselves, the audience, and keeping that refrain and keeping that distance to pique that interest, I think is so smart from Ari Aster to say like, what? Like, did I just see what I think I saw? And it's this really questionable moment of like, is this really happening for a reason? Um, And then as the movie progresses, we continually um, hone in more and more and more. And the frame becomes tighter on everything that we see leading into, you know, seeing this guy flayed, wide open in yeah. in the, in a chicken coop and we are essentially so tight on his body that's been ripped apart and strung that it is overhanging the the frame or the edges of of the shot yes, and yeah. um 
I think that is such a, a smart decision. Um, you mentioned Christian to just probably the worst boyfriend on screen. <laughs> like, sucks. can we just like call that now? He's terrible. Yeah. I mean, uh, anyone who's listening has the worst one, please let us know. But like Christian's <laughs> got to be on this, like not rush more of like horrible bad film movie boyfriends. boyfriends. Like yeah. he sucks so bad. Like, I don't know, like her, you know, family just dies. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go to a party for like 45 minutes. You know, it's like, dude, dude. what are you talking about? And he's just, he is the absolute worst. Um, like forgetting her birthday is like, oh, I, I just thought it was yesterday with the time change and all. Like, he sucks. He's such a gaslighty dude. Um, stealing Josh's like thesis. He's like, you know, I thought maybe I'll do that too. And it's like, are dude. you fucking kidding me, man? Like, not even just a boyfriend. He's a shitty friend. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. He's it a on. bad person. Yeah, and then like. William Jackson Harper, who's, who's awesome in this, um, you know, people probably know him from the good place, but like just him, it's like, no, you are an asshole. You can't like just do, it's like, well, I'm going to do it on this one specifically. Like you're going to travel around more, but I'm just going to do these guys. It's like, you're just taking no. my idea. Like this sucks. Um, and Christian played by Jack Rayner, um, who's like a wonderful actor. If you haven't what's, seen what's, Sing Street, please. Yeah. What's Jack Rayner been up to these days, huh? Uh, just go watch Sing Street. That's all you need to watch. I still haven't um, seen it. Dude. Add that to the list, man. You got your list is just like it's so deep, dude. Up. Yeah. It's so deep. Um, Looks like he was in Cherry recently, the uh, Tom Holland Apple TV Plus failed Russo Brothers film. So I would say, yeah, we know the tough, Russos can't do anything beat. outside of Marvel. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he's awesome. So yeah, go check out Sing Street. He plays a really cool older brother in that, but the opposite yeah. of Christian. Nice, but, good yeah. to know. <laughs> um, really good cast. Like I love Pele. Yeah. Um, obviously, Will Poulter plays Mark. Um, these guys I, all just have these different levels of like shittiness. You know, where yeah, they all kind of get what's coming. I want to give a shout out to Will Poulter because he is excellent in this movie. And like, there's one scene in particular when they're kind of in the house, and um, this this chick kind of comes in, one of the Swedish chicks, and and says something I can't remember, and like walks out. And makes eye contact yeah. with him, and he and he turns to either Josh or Christian, or whatever, and he's like, "Dude, you just saw that, right? Like that just happened." Yeah. And I'm just like, "Dude, you gotta chill." Like that she she like told you to come to dinner or something. Like bring well, bring know, it back. Like, <laughs> I mean, just because it stuck in my head when I heard, it, I was like, "God, like you you've been there for like an hour, dude." But he turns to Paley. He said, "I would I want to give her a bath." It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, dude, like so pump the funny. fucking brakes, man. <laughs> like you haven't even unpacked yet. You can't be talking like dude. this. Like this is insane. Like and the whole yeah. the whole bit about ticks too. How Josh's yeah. grand grandfather or whatever died from, or I guess it was his own grandfather yeah, like got yeah. Lyme, and he's like. He's fucked. Let me tell you, it was not worth the picnic in the park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's like the so, passing comment later on. It's like, hey, check my junk for uh, ticks and I'll check yours. You know, yeah. it's just like, all right, dude. I think that's a great like segue into understanding, you know, Ari Aster's talked about this movie and he's talked about a lot of his movies as well, um, especially with Bo is Afraid, as being, you know, a, a prevalent comedy, as as definitely being this kind of satire on a bad relationship or a bad trip overseas yeah. or like whatever it may be. This movie is hilarious. And so I want to know from you, the orgy scene, very pivotal scene in this movie, very creepy, disgusting, strange scene that is, that is happening. Um, really almost indescribable. Like when it comes to a podcast, like what do you, you can't, you just got to tell someone to watch it. Right. Yeah. Is it more frightening or is it more funny to you? I mean, 
frightening. Like this is, it's a nightmare. Like I don't even like peeing next to someone at a urinal. I cannot be, imagine <laughs> You don't want surrounded. a 65 year old woman pushing your pushing, ass no, into I, somebody. That's like the thing that gets me every time I watch is like, how is he staying hard right now? This is Dude. crazy. <laughs> like the amount of tunnel vision you have to oh have to like God. be focused on it. Like that's, that's absurd. So and this is And he's like fucked up on whatever kind of, yeah, I he don't drank something. So he goes in like on a trip and then he, he inhales some type of smoke for his vitality. Yeah. So it's like, dude, it's, it's like all sorts of messed thing. up. Like he just like, oh, can't, maybe. can't get, I don't know. I, I thought nightmare. it, I thought it was frightening. And then I kind of remembered like, okay, Ari Aster is funny. Like the, like he, he gets it. He's kind of in on the joke. And then I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of funny because like, it is so absurd. It is so awfully absurd. What we're watching that you kind of can't help, like when that woman starts to push on him to thrust into Maya, and Maya like looks at him and is like, "Finish." Then I'm just like, "Oh, f- like this is so fucked. Like this is just yeah. ridiculous," you know. Um, so I think I think that is you know kind of worth mentioning and really brings us to you know the ultimate demise of the movie. Um, the dancing competition, another very pivotal scene in this movie, uh, when the May Queen is is crowned and Danny becomes that queen. She takes whatever beverage is handed to her, which is, you know, a type of a, of an elixir with special properties, essentially. Mm-hmm. I want to know how long you would last. Are you, are you a longevity dancer here? Could you hang with the best of them, Ben? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> just a hard, but <laughs> hard up, no. <laughs> no, uh, I think I mentioned on here before. I, I was in a band, um, and I very intentionally in my life have chosen to play the drums because while I do feel like I have some rhythm, I just want to sit down. <laughs> like I do not want to be like dancing or in front of people. Like I need stuff in front of me. Um, so I would totally have just like tapped out. It's like, cool. You guys are doing great. I'm just going to, I'm going to sit over here and drink whatever tea I'm being handed right now. But like, there's just, there's no way. What, I mean, would you have one? Would you be the next May queen? No, I'm out in the first round for sure. Okay. Yeah. I could try, I could try to hang, but I'm going to be pretty frank with you. Like, I've never escalated um, my my intake to levels of like trip. Like I've never tripped. Yeah. I've never done any of like that. What it seems is happening pretty frequently here in Harga. So yeah. I think I'd just be down. Like I would ingest that and I'd just be fucked like pretty much from the start. Honestly, like kind of relaxing because like <laughs> that is one of the best things I think about this movie that people talked about too is like, the trip they're on at the beginning, like the yeah. way things just kind of like pulsing and whatever. I'm like, this is the closest thing I've seen to being realistic. And it, it's a really well done. And when Christian kind of goes on his trip, right. And he like sits at the table that, you know, we've already had of our May queen. He sits at the table and kind of asks this older guy, like what is happening? And the guy slaps his face. Basically from that moment on, Anytime we're moving anywhere, anytime we're changing scenery, if you look in the foreground or the background close enough, everything is kind of in flux. It's in mm-hmm. wiggles. It's in this very distinct visual style that Ari Aster has like stamped on this movie that I think is incredibly frightening because that's exactly what they're going through. Yeah. Um, I did want to call out one thing quick for for the orgy scene with Christian. Another notch on his like I'm a terrible person leaderboard is in the very beginning of the movie when all of him and his buddies are are eating pizza and sitting around. Will Poulter mentions like 
dude, you could just break up and find a girl that actually likes to have sex. Mm-hmm. My dude is just is is getting pent up. You know, he's just trying to drain the dragon here, and he wants it that bad that he's good. He's like game with some weird fucking Swedish crazy spiritual thing. I just I don't see myself ever getting to that point. I mean, also like his partner's <laughs> family just died. Like, just like think with your other head for a little <laughs> bit. You know what I mean? Like this is, it is absurd. I think it just, again, like reiterates how awful he is. Like he's, he is the worst. In the, the worst. Of John Ralphio, the yeah. worst. <laughs> the, the worst. Uh, okay. <laughs> Those are the couple of scenes I wanted to call out. I also want to talk about the final May Queen decision. Um, where Danny chooses the ninth person to be sacrificed, right? It kind of comes full circle. We realize after two hours that, you know, the two elders being sacrificed was the beginning of, of this um, kind of Harga life cycle that they do every year, essentially, where they, they take nine people, they recycle their names for newborns, and, you know, kind of let them live on in that nature. Um, Christian is fucked up like enough to where they purposely paralyze him is is that like, like i think that's like my one question of the movie which i i think is an incredible editing technique from Ari and his and his crew to have that like eyelid camera mm-hmm. which is so sublime does they they do this on purpose or like how does he find himself paralyzed enough to be in the wheelchair i mean it's a wonderful question i don't know i can't I remember exactly yeah, I don't know that I remember exactly either. If it was just like a he served his purpose with the girl, and so like they don't need him oh, yeah. anymore, kind of thing. That's okay. like what I I think it is. Um, but yeah, no that that whole sequence is amazing. That's another thing though. Like I maybe need to do more research on. It. It's just I've never really bothered to look into it. But there's this like they do it every year, but also when they're there, it's like like this. Ha- this one happens every 90 years or whatever, like the one that they're experiencing that year. Mm. Um, I'm curious, like what, like, are they really sacrificing people every year or did this just happen to be the 90th year when they make these moves? Cause it's like, well, a- every 18 years stuff happens, right? Like that's yeah. like with the sleeping Remember, like all the different places, like it's on an 18 year cycle. Yep. And like what happens when you're 72 and then like, so obviously 18 years on to that is 90. So like, is that when people get sick? I don't know. Oh, uh, interesting. I'm curious about it, but also like it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the movie. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Kill people each year. You're not going like, to write a thesis on Midsommar and Harga? Maybe that's what it'll be. I'm going to start it and then you're going to be like, you know what? I'm actually also going <laughs> to write what? a thesis on I it. I also care about this movie that yeah, much. <laughs> that's, also, that's also what I'm going to do. But no, I'm, I am like kind of curious about that because obviously they have the May Queen every year because Danny asks about like, oh, who are these people? But yeah, yeah as far as the sacrifice and stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. So if anybody knows it's listening, Please inform me so I don't have to do the work. I would love to hear <laughs> just tell what me. the answer is. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a great scene. And I admire this movie so much. And this is something that I really, I like in other films as well, that I that I think a lot of, um, you know, blockbuster, big IP films definitely do not subscribe to, but something, you know, like an Ari Aster or um, like somebody else of that vein understands the power of is um, letting the imagination do some of the work. So when uh, Danny, as the May Queen, is given this choice, we don't see how she decides. We don't see what she says. We don't see how she communicates it. We don't know 
her emotional state at that moment. We truthfully, like we don't even know if choosing Christian was a hard decision for her. We don't know if she did cry or how she felt about that. But in the end, what we do know is the fact that she did choose Christian when she could have chosen someone she has no relationship with, no idea who they are, complete random person of this, you know, Swedish community. Um, and then we get this, you know, descent into the, the, the bear suit, which is incredible, frightening, also funny that the dad is using this as a teaching moment for his son of like, here's what you do to gut the intestines of the bear. Like, and this guy is fucking paralyzed right behind you. You all know he's going to go in the bear suit. Uh, Yeah. It's so good. Like, uh, yeah, we don't see the decision, but honestly, it's like, if you're a partner of four years, still has to be reminded when it's your birthday. It's like, yeah, go ahead and sacrifice it. Like, like she takes that on. Like, that's my fault. I didn't remind him. It's like, it's your birthday. You guys have been yeah. together for four years, which he also didn't remember. Like, this is totally fine. He's the worst person in this field. So go ahead and like burn him alive. Um, yeah, that is <laughs> that's cool. a pretty harsh punishment, dude. That's hey. like, you forget my birthday don't fucking forget my birthday (laughs) that's the message here okay i'll forget my birthday okay thank Um, god i just remembered you're some off the hook for another year um yeah no i don't know like it's intense but it just it's like you said it was so cool just like see him sitting in that chair just like you see the panic (laughs) on his face like he he can't do anything like it's and that again speaking of camera work like going inside that like cabin triangle whatever thing and just going from person to person and seeing them all in that shot like that's it's such a wonderful shot there's something at the very end that i i wanted to get your take on um so there's there's a moment when they are putting in the additional people from the community that they've chosen to sacrifice right they have they've already sacrificed the four non-community members in um mark and josh and and the, the um sophie and whoever the boy's name is, I can't recall. Um, they've all already been killed. Like they've already been, you know, part of the sacrifice. They've got two of the elders. They've got two new people that have volunteered and then Christian. So the two new people that volunteered sit in there. One of them is Pele's brother, which I find fascinating yeah. with how devoted he is to this community. And, and he's fairly young. So I, I, I find that very intriguing that he made that decision. Um, someone comes in and basically says like, take from the, the yew tree to feel no pain. And like, it, you know, gives them some kind of supplement for their mouth and then goes to Pele's brother and says a similar thing of like, take from the yew tree to feel no fear. And I was most interested in this because those um, very particular choice of words, feel no pain. That very same person is the only person that we see screaming in pain due to the fire that is consuming his body. And I took that as kind of a narrative twist of like, Hey, this community actually just fucked up. Like they just like the shit that they do doesn't, it's not like rooted. Sure. It might be rooted in like a cultural thing, but like they've convinced themselves like this paste from this tree, it works magic and it probably just doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? Like, did you have a similar idea to that? Cause I just took that as like, oh, it's all in shambles. Cool. This is all for nothing. You know? I mean, in theory they've, 
had zero people give them feedback on it, right? <laughs> like, no one's like, yeah, actually, you're right. There was no pain when I burned alive. Hey, uh, so can you stop like, the fire for a second? I just yeah, give you some feedback like, on where this you, medicine. We're on the pain level, like showing them some chart with like a sad face and a happy face, like one to 10, where are you at on here? Um, yeah, no, I don't think they're doing that. So it's just like, that's Tough. the thing that you can just say. It's just like, oh, this will take away all your pain. Don't worry, yeah. you know? Um, you know, there's like cynical, skeptical sides of religion that obviously kind of get unfolded in here as well of just like you know faith versus reality whatever i'm not going to get into that kind of stuff but that does go into it you know it's just like just take our word for it that this is what it is like okay cool and then find out too late like oh no that wasn't a thing (laughs) at all so uh, i think it's a really interesting observation but yeah it's like i guess they haven't had anyone come back to them and be like, yeah, you guys are right. This was perfect. It was, you know, it's just a hint of the uh, deep, deep pharmaceutical hole that Ari Aster would enter with Bo's afraid. He was <laughs> yeah, just getting exactly. warmed up with the, yep. with the pharmaceuticals. Uh, okay. We, I know we didn't do true cinema in a, in a, in a, you know, original or standard fashion here. Um, but we're going to do one, a one act. We're going to rank and then we're going to get out of here to the conversation with Bobby Krillick. Um, is there any particular scene that you want to, note as your favorite because episode six was like 83 or 89 episodes ago or something crazy so i'm sure it was different then to what it might be now one thing i mean speaking of Bo, i talked about it in that review one of my favorite things about this movie is seeing that like chart at the beginning that lays out the whole movie genius like from the beginning from the parents you know being killed just all the way to the end and the first time i watched it i was like oh he's just showing us everything that's gonna happen that's kind of cool you it's know such a boss move too it really he's is. like he's like here's the whole movie and yeah. it's like oh cool dude you got like massive balls yeah. And then we kind of saw a little bit of that in Bo, you know, when they do like the fast forward yeah. recordings, like, oh, so he's going to end up here and then he's going to end up here and like and just the little snippets. But like we saw that all that happened in the movie. And I remember talking about that in that episode. I was like, oh, it kind of goes back to his like Midsommar, like, here's what's going to happen. Um, I think that that shot just takes so much guts and so much like trust and faith in your own ability. So that's mm-hmm. got to be my A1 act because like, when you can tell someone what the whole movie is, but they're still hooked for the next like two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Like that's a baller move. That's fantastic. <laughs> it is. And I wrote that in my letterbox review as well. It's like that, that's kind of genius to be honest. Like you, you are that confident in your story and your visuals and your style that, you know, um, everybody has it and they're just, they're still going to hang around. I mean, you know, there's the very emblematic scene of, uh, Mark or, or Will Poulter's character basically saying like nobody's going to talk about the bear in the cage and yeah, yeah. Pele is just like no it's just it's just a bear in a cage and they just like walk by and mm-hmm. that moment is just like what the fuck and then like yeah. comes around right and like we we totally get it and there's so many of those visual indicators throughout the movie um I think it, I think mine was the same as last time as what it's going to be now but it is really and I and I I firmly and truly hold this of like the most impactful, probably best of the genre, uh, final 15 seconds of, of a movie within this yeah. world of seeing Florence Pugh as Danny watch that fire happen and watch all of these people groan and, and moan and belabor in their customs and their pain and what they do for her to then smile to change from frightful and fearful to feeling held to feeling like she's part of a community she is the queen she made this decision and she 
ultimately feels let go of of Christian, right? And that's like what it took for her to get out of this relationship um, was was to sacrifice him in a in a bear pelt. So um, you know, I think it's really fucked up on a lot of levels, and I think there's a lot to look out there. Um, what that means for Danny and like her relationship to her current trauma with her sister and her parents, I think that's a little less clear and a little um, less concise. But I think that's part of it. I think that's what makes it so intriguing to me. I love that imagination factor at the very end. Um, okay, A1X, I just wanted to go with A24 Horror. I just wanted to keep it solid because this is without a doubt among the best. I mean, you talk yeah. about A24, this is tip of the tongue for a lot of people. So here's what I've got on the on the short list here. Um, X, Parole. It comes at night. Hereditary, another Ari Aster film. High Life, Men. You remember that movie? That was crazy. I remember the ending of that movie. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about endings? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Um, Under the Skin, Lamb. Another weird ending movie here. Um, Tusk, a great ending to that movie. In Fabric, Climax, Enemy, Saint Maud. Wow, Saint Maud. You remember that? Yeah. That was crazy, dude. I mean, talk about last five seconds, uh, Enemy. That, yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> That's Let's wild. Get, they know what they're doing. Uh, bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Green Room, The Black Coat's Daughter, Bo's Afraid, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Lighthouse, and your all-time personal fave, The Witch. Um, A24 Horror. I feel like it's a little unfair to be like pick the A one act. You yeah. you want to do like a you want to do your top three or top five or something or or how do you want to structure this? I'm totally open for whatever. Well, I mean, we are talking about my number one all time. You know, yeah. A plus. Like this is I love Midsommar so much. Um, I did finally see Pearl. It's fantastic. I love it. Love it. Um, I am just gonna take this minute. What I am gonna do is I'm gonna shout out Green Room because I'm gonna do that any chance I get. Yep watch green room it's probably like my favorite as far as like I, I don't know i just i love that one so much um yeah that's just all i just want to talk about green room green room's great <laughs> please go watch it um i hope you enjoy it yeah i i'm i need to watch green room again because i feel like there's a rift between us because like i didn't enjoy green room on the level that you did and so Which i'm like fine. you know and like i've, I've been like I've been holding back because I want to say your name because I don't want her to feel bad. Like I, I love Jade so much. And I think that's like, I respect her opinion so much that when she didn't <laughs> love it, I was like sad. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> like I wanted her to love it so much. And it's fine that she didn't Jade. I love you so much. Um, I hope you'll come back on soon. Um, but when she was like, ah, it, didn't, it wasn't for me. I'm like, Oh fuck man. Like I love that movie. Am I wrong? I might be wrong. Cause Jade's like <laughs> smart about everything. Um, but yeah, I just, I want everyone to watch green room. And make their own opinions on it. You don't have yeah. to love it, but I just think if you could see Patrick Stewart as like a skinhead Nazi leader dude, like yeah, why wouldn't sick. you do that? Like, yeah. So that's what yeah. I'm gonna shout out. Yeah, I can't argue that. That's a that's a good call for there. Um, look, I think when it comes to horror within A24, I think there's definitely like multiple tiers here. I mean, you're definitely talking about Midsommar and Hereditary filling that that S tier, that very, very top cream of the crop yeah. situation. Um I do want to talk about Climax. I don't think I've ever been more uncomfortable during Dude. a film than I've watched Climax. The movie's fucked up, like, on a whole different level. And I, like, even thinking about it, I just, like, kind of get the crawlies. And I just don't, like, whoa, Gaspar Noé, good guy. You got me a gift that, like, focuses on dancing in film. And I went to the Climax page because they have, like, a section on yeah, it. Yeah, was that in and there? And just looking at the photos, like, oh, God, this movie is so <laughs> uncomfortable. Like, I genuinely don't know if I'd rather watch that or Hereditary because both of those, like... Yeah. They're great, but it's like 
oh, I don't know what would be a worse rewatch. Like they they both fuck with me so much. They do. I just can't. Anytime I think about climax, I cannot get over the fact that like let me lock my kid in an electrical in closet the, yeah, to be safe. I just yeah. can't deal with that. Um, I do think you know. A24 is so unique in their horror and that's what I personally really feel like they kind of um, made their name with that they, they really paid their way with these movies. Um, I think High Life is definitely underrated when it comes to A24 horror like that yeah. is some really really crazy crazy stuff. I mean if you like you know Robert Pattinson um, that's got a, a stellar cast to it and that is super interesting. Uh, I think Enemy is great. St. Maude Again, another like really good religious movie. And if if you're looking for something with like a killer ten seconds, that's that'll just fuck you up. Like yeah. it'll just really make you question everything you watched. Um we obviously talked about Bo's Afraid. I don't really consider Bo's Afraid a horror movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it is. We're definitely planning on doing a rewatch for Bo's Afraid when it comes out on VOD. So prepare yourselves because we're, we're gonna do like a, a re rewatch recap, like a watch along pod. Dude, I'm all for it. I, I think Bo deserves if there is a ever a movie that deserves it, I think it's Bo. It's Bo. You may be right. Every time I say Bo is afraid, I just always think of Nathan Lane saying, You scared of going home, Bo? And I just can't not think about that. <laughs> my dude. <laughs> my, my dude, my brother. Uh okay. I think we're both in the same boat. A plus twenty four. Yeah. 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 Hands I think down. there's there's no question about it. Midsmar is fantastic excellent on all fronts um next week on the pod we're getting we're getting emotional we're dialing it back a little bit we're going the other direction we're talking about the 2022 film close from director lucas don't it was nominated at the 2023 academy award for best international feature for belgium uh it was a movie that was picked by one of our listeners sweet p jess on twitter she won uh one of the uh oscar prediction polls that we ran so uh, we gave her the the chance to pick a topic and she wanted to join us. So she's going to be joining us for that conversation, which is a, a great conversation. Really fun. Yeah. P- please go into that pod ready to cry, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, a big recommend from us, I think, to see, see close. It is yep. a gut punch of a movie, at least speaking personally. I cried quite a bit in that. Um. So, yeah, look forward to that episode. It's good. Fun to recap Midsommar. Um, we would love to hear what you guys feel about Midsommar. You know, like Ethan said, it's been 83 episodes since we talked about it. So I'm glad to get back to it. So yeah, let us know what you think. Also tell us like what you've done to someone who's forgotten your birthday. Like what's the worst thing you've done to somebody? <laughs> like what is the acceptable punishment level of like yeah. forgetting a birthday? Is it like, you know, paralyzing them and stitching them into a bare uh, skin and burning them alive? Like I think it might be. Seems accurate to me. Yeah, I think the bar's been set. So yeah, let <laughs> us know. <laughs> you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. We are at 24 minutes of A24. Also, we are on YouTube where you can see our faces and my super cool shirt. Um, Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Check us out on there. Subscribe and like and all that kind of stuff. I'm Ben Lawhorn. I am Ethan Simi. Uh enjoy our conversation with composer Bobby Krillick. Spring break forever, bitches. Bobby, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Huge congrats on both Beef and Bo is Afraid, your two most recent projects for which you have composed uh, the scores to. 
both very distinctive and very different projects to say the the least. I want to start out by asking you about Bo is Afraid. Now, this is the second time that you've worked with director Ari Aster. When you're tasked with composing a film like Bo, where do you even begin? Because this movie pretty much has everything in it. Yeah, it does. It's certainly certainly not something where you look at it and you immediately know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it kind of starts, I mean, I, I got home from a screening of it. Um, I called Ari and just, just began a process of, of discussion. And, you know, I, I always like to start from, um, I always like to start from an emotional standpoint of, you know, what are, what are we supposed to be feeling and how are we supposed to be feeling it? And, and Ari is really good at articulating himself in that way. And, you know, we don't get sort of bogged down in technicality and, um, so re- really, kind of start from there. You know, central character. What are we supposed to be feeling? What's the, what's the journey? What's the R? You know, points A, B, and C, and how do we link them together? I mean, it's not quite as simple as that, but that's kind of where I like to jump off if we can. <laughs> yeah. Now, this uh, is the uh, first time that you've worked with, or I guess the first time that you did work with Ari Aster, as well as A24, was Midsommar. I know yeah. my co-host Ben is is just gutted to uh, not be here to talk to you today because Midsommar is one of his all-time favorite movies. You you briefly mentioned what it's like working with Ari and, and kind of how you... Um, kind of go that direction with him in creating a score um but can you talk a little bit more to that does he uh what does that creation process look like with Ari and uh what is it that kind of keeps you coming back to him since this is the second time you've worked with him um it's a it's a just yeah a really fruitful collaboration you know we we spend a lot of time together in the same room he'll come to LA and he'll stay for a week or a couple of weeks at a time and you know, after breakfast, he'll come here to my house and we'll sit in my studio and we'll just, you know, sometimes we work to picture, sometimes we don't. Um, and I'll just start kind of, you know, we'll, we'll talk about kind of which cues or which kind of themes we want to kind of tackle for the day. And, you know, Bo was, Bo was really, really fun in the sense that like it could, it felt like it could have a, a bit more of a sort of a broad scope musically than, than Midsommar did in terms of, you know, we could sort of expand past the orchestral parts of it and, mm-hmm. and, and explore other areas. So, you know, a lot of it was me sitting and playing guitar for him and pulling scenes up and finding chord progressions and melodies that worked or moving to piano or bass or, you know, bringing up kind of brass sounds and vocals. And there was, there was just a, a big world to explore. And I think in terms of what, how I resonate with Ari and what keeps me coming back is there's a, there's a great friendship there. I, re- I, I really love him as a human and we have a lot in common, but I think also I just respect him so much artistically. And I think that he's really saying things that almost nobody in cinema today is saying. And in, in, in working with that, it not only gives me great faith in where cinema's going, but it also enables me to say things musically that I don't think I would be able to say in, in another setting, which is, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you mentioned Ari comes over to your house and, and you guys kind of work through this process together. You also, also mentioned uh, breakfast. Does Ari have a go-to breakfast item that, that you're aware of? <laughs> you know what? I don't know because we would always meet afterwards. So I, oh. I, 
<laughs> Keeping the breakfast a secret, yeah. I guess. That's that's part of the ingenious of his creative process. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't want to give the game away. Speaking of uh of Midsommar and in relation to to Bo is Afraid and you you kind of touched on it, Midsommar is is a much more true horror kind of driven genre, but the movie itself kind of breaks away from that core genre by being primarily set in the day. And I know Bo is Afraid encompasses a lot of different, um, you know, kind of times of the day. So you get to explore that. Um, for Midsommar, did that particular aspect of the film really being set during the daytime influence um, the kind of emotion that went into your creative process or how you might have written the music uh, as compared to something um, that, you know, takes place at, at, at nighttime? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think in the sense that, I mean, we, we, we talked about Midsummer a lot, not really being a quote unquote horror film, but more of being a kind of fairy tale, a, a very, very, very twisted one. But um, yeah, uh, so a lot of the things that we were looking at musically with that was the the whole film kind of lulls you into this false pretense with it being in the daytime and you kind of think that nothing can happen because it's bright outside and not you know typically that's not when uh it's not when you should feel uneasy so we we tried very hard to to have the you know a lot of my references for the score was old disney movies and alice in wonderland and works of kind of nelson riddle and towards the end of his capital days and you know, Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra arrangements and stuff, stuff that felt very kind of classic and dreamy. Um, and I think when you have that, um, it then, if you, if you have the ability to, to, to turn that on a dime and then be really terrifying, you know? Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. I think that's definitely a, a an anchor in kind of that timelessness and, and punchy uh, vibe that, that Midsommar has really um, kind of taken over within the, the horror genre and the A24 library. Um, yeah. You've also recently worked with A24 on their Netflix series, Beef, which is just an excellent show um, all the way around. I know that you've scored several other television series such as Snowpiercer and The mm -hmm. Alienist, um, along with, with tons of others. What is the kind of the fundamental or the greatest difference in scoring a television series, which you know might consist of 10 or 12 episodes versus a, a mm. two or three hour film? And, and do you prefer one over the other? I think they both have their own merits. You know, I think a film, at least in my my experience of it, a film is something where ideas have to be very specific and very distilled and you have a very uh, succinct amount of time in which to articulate ideas and to tell a story. Um, and that that kind of having to kind of limit oneself in that way and have something that that is kind of compressed can be really exciting. Uh, also, the, the opposite of that can be said for television, where you kind of, you know, if it's a 10-episode series and they're an hour long, you've got 10 hours to say something, and you, you, can, you can sort of rest on themes maybe more than you would in a film and kind of have things expand slower and... Um, you know, tell the story in, in, in a more kind of measured way sometimes, which, uh, you know, and you can, it also means that you can 
delve into your own music a little bit deeper than you might be able to sometimes. And I think both are really exciting for, for different reasons. Yeah. I want to kind of elaborate on that just a little bit because the final episode of Beef really kicks off with a, a very kind of ethereal score, much different than what you uh, normally do, but kind of ultimately descends, you know, back into your style of, of darkness of the situation of our characters. When, when you're scoring a, a final episode to a show like that um, and, and really kind of trying to land the plane and make a huge impact about the story and all of the wild things, especially with beef that we've seen transpire. Um, how do you, how do you view that task? Do you um, kind of treat it like any other episode or does it come with a little bit of uh, added pressure? Yeah. I mean, it really comes down, it it comes down to the, to the showrunner, you know, a lot of the time. Um, But I think, yeah, with, with generally speaking, yeah, there, there, there is a kind of, there's a pressure that I put on myself of the, you know, this sort of has to be the thing that really puts a bow on the whole, thing and t- ties it all together um and i think in terms of beef it was it was actually really exciting because you know sonny the showrunner actually was like this can be this can be a real outlier it doesn't have to be something mm-hmm. musically he wanted to go somewhere that we hadn't gone musically before through the whole season uh because that episode goes somewhere that's <laughs> yeah. incredibly off piste uh to, to where we've previously been. So, you know, that that episode was a real gift in terms of I, I actually didn't didn't quite feel the usual pressure of like, okay, this has to be the kind of um, you know, the apex of all the themes that we've been building and and, and stuff. And it actually meant that you could just do a total U turn. And when you've been working on something for ten episodes, you know, to have that kind of breath of fresh air be brought in at the 11th hour is 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 really liberating now beef is is kind of a big deal right now even as we record it is still in the top 10 of netflix it's kind of taken over um the streamer by storm i'm curious from you like on a, on a personal standpoint knowing that you've scored something that is you know as successful as beef and as popular and as kind of embedded in the culture already um yeah. Does does that mean anything to you? Do you pay attention to that? Um, does that maybe influence how you might score something in the future or any future projects? Um, I would I would it it means something to me in the sense of uh, you know I just I I really I really believe in the show and you know Sonny and the 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 creator and showrunner Sonny um, and I have a great relationship and ever since we first met and he told me about the vision for the show, I was just, I was so excited. And to see that, you know, to see that get received so well, and it is just, I'm just really happy for everybody involved, it, you know, because I do think that like, it's a really, the, the messages that are there are really important. And I think it, it is a very pertinent thing that speaks to now. Um, so I'm just really, I'm really chuffed that it's doing so well. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not really one to kind of sit back and take stock of my own work in such ways and I don't you know I don't think it will necessarily influence what I'm going to do next or how I approach scoring but um yeah just just really happy that it seems to be speaking to people I think it's awesome Mm-hmm. Do you at all, I, I know as you kind of score and go through the process, you sometimes, you know, you do it to the the, uh, the video and, and I'm sure that you see final cuts along the way. When mm-hmm. something like Beef or, or Bow even comes out, do you 
you know, do you attend like an opening weekend situation um, to kind of get the, the full picture and, and see maybe any audience reactions or once you're done scoring, is that kind of it for you? Do you kind of distance yourself from the final project? No, I mean, it's often, oftentimes, you know, I'll kind of submit my final score, um, but uh, don't often kind of get to see the full finished package. So I'm, I'm all kind of as excited as everybody else. Uh, you know, to go to the premiere or screening and see see the final thing, and um, yeah, I I I I love that. It's like uh, it almost feels like I'm watching it for the first time as well. You know, and beef, like beef, is something that my wife and I are watching together currently. Like I I, I love watching it, and um, yeah, so I do do that. It's it's awesome. Now your your music in in general and through most of kind of the projects, especially the A twenty four projects, um, along with your albums that that you've worked on, is really quite dark and and textured, very atmospheric. It kind of has a a very specific feel and vibe to it. Instigates a very dreary uh, kind of energy. Is there something about this darker style of music and and scoring? that really kind of keeps you coming back to that time and time again as, as like an underlying theme about what, you know, the music that you create? Um, I think so. I mean, you know, I think, um, I think there's aspects of that in beef. I think beef is, is, has a lot of kind of moments of levity and humor in a way that I've not really been able to express in my work so far. And, you know that's something that I really enjoy uh, leaning into. I mean, I think, yeah, it's it's funny. It's one of those things where, like, sometimes people will say that about my work. You know that it's it's dark or it's you know foreboding, and um, <laughs> it's not always something that I am conscious of or that I'm trying to do. Um, I think you know. I, I mean, I grew up uh, watching a lot of intense movies and listen you know I was still am an avid fan of metal music and you know a lot of kind of dark stuff and I, I guess that seeps in somewhere but I mean my dad always used to have this interesting saying that his dad always used to say to him where he was like one one man's medicine is another man's poison mm. <laughs> I think that uh you know I think that I can kind of find comfort and lightness in in potentially dark things that other people might not be able to mm-hmm steering away from any a24 um and and this kind of dark and dreadful and just something potentially more upbeat here um you are scoring dc's blue beetle as as your next project this is yeah. going to be the first comic book movie that you've scored can you tell me anything about maybe why you chose that project have you been wanting to kind of join in on the comic book craze for a while or did you just see this as a as a good kind of evolution in in the next step of your scoring career i've, I've always loved them ever since i was a kid i've always loved you know, superhero movies and comic book movies, and I, I was a huge comic book collector when I when I was younger. Um, and yeah, I just think that it's a really interesting space to be able to make music in. You know, I I remember, for instance, being at an IMAX screening of The Dark Knight Rises when that came mm-hmm. out, um, and that whole first sequence with the plane hijacking and stuff, and the way that the score works something just kind of went off in my brain where I, I just, I'd never heard anything like that in the cinema before. And, you know, I, I wasn't scoring anything at that point. Um, but it, I, it was almost like a mental note that I made to myself where I was like, if I ever 
get to score movies like wouldn't it be cool to be able to do something in that space in that kind of more commercial space where everybody you know a lot of people are going to hear this work and if if you do something that's truly different you know you could move a cultural needle in some way which i I find really exciting Mm -hmm. definitely um, I've got to ask from a from a personal standpoint here. So I'm a big uh, fan of Heat. I'm a big Michael Mann fan. Um, your Wikipedia says that you were invited by Atticus Ross to help score uh, Michael Mann's 2015 film Black Hat. It yeah. doesn't look like you did that. Can you tell us? Any, is there any story that goes along with that to maybe why you didn't uh, go that direction? Oh yeah, we did work on that together. Oh, um, okay, but it was more of a. It wasn't really a sort of. <clears throat> I, my, my role was not necessarily, you know, as a as one of the main kind of composers. I mean, that was that was the first thing that I've ever got brought on to do. And uh, yeah, I came out to LA to meet Atticus. He'd invited me. We'd never met, and I think he'd heard my music and invited me out to meet him, which was awesome for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we we met, and I went over to his house, and we got on really well, and. You know, I hadn't done anything in in film at that point, and he was just, yeah, very complimentary about the work I was doing and asked if I'd ever like to help him out on stuff, for which I obviously said yes. Um, And, yeah, we swapped details, and he invited me to to work on some music for that film, which I did, and I think there's, I don't know, my credit is, like, programming or or something like that. But, um, you know, there was a lot of people that worked on that movie, you know, and I know, like that. Um, there's a few different composers, and Mike Dean was doing stuff, and it was kind of a cacophony of a lot of people contributing in a way that I think uh, only Michael Mann could facilitate. <laughs> right. Heat two productions kicking up. Are you trying to get involved yeah. with this or what? <laughs> oh, that'd be a dream. You kidding me? It's actually, funnily, it's funny that you should say that because on my big TV screen in the studio in front of me is. And I'm not kidding you. Heat is up there. I was I was about to watch it last night. <laughs> incredible, incredible yeah. play, Bobby. That's one of my favorite uh, movies of all time. I actually have a tattoo that's a uh, a juice box, and it just says action on the front of the juice box. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, there we go. It's up there for me too. It's like you know, it's one of those films. It's like a, it's it's a sort of rainy day. If you want to just put something on, that's something that I can always watch at any time. It's just so awesome. Heartily agree. Uh, before uh, Bobby, before we end the show, I, I want to put you in a Godfather type situation here for a second. So I'm going to make you choose between your your A24 children. Um, which which A24 project out of Midsommar, Bo is Afraid, or Beef is is maybe your favorite that you've scored, worked on, or just your favorite project in general? Oh man, that's brutal. That's I'm going to upset. <laughs> After we had such a personal connection, too. <laughs> um, you know, man, that's really difficult. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say Midsommar because, you know, that was the first film I'd ever scored on my own. And it really kind of, it developed a, a language of scoring that I'd never had an opportunity to develop and, you know, fostered my wonderful relationship with Ari who I hold very dear as a friend and a collaborator um and I wouldn't be at the point I am now without being invited to score that film so that's that's the one I'm going to go with 
Sorry to put you through the the tough decision there, but I'm proud of you for for doing it. Um, Bobby, thanks so much for coming on the show. I wish you the best in in your future scoring endeavors, and you know, hopefully, obviously, we see more from uh, you and A24 and Ari Aster, um, all the like. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.